Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is Yoga Land. Today, Jason and I talk about five essential things to know about the core and the abdominals in yoga. And this is continuing a little mini-series we've been doing. We've already done five essential things to know about the spine and five essential things to know about the hips. The core and the spine happen to be the topic of module two of Jason's 300-hour training, and that is happening online this summer from July 17th through August 21st. So if you are interested in module two, you can go register for that or learn more about that at jasonyoga.com slash schedule. And he's also doing module two hybrid. So that is partly online and partly in person in London. And that is starting in October. And you can find links to both of those at jasonyoga.com slash schedule. If you like these episodes and you want to find the previous ones, I will put links to them on the show notes page, which you can find at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 298. We're getting really close to episode 300, which is exciting. I don't know. I'm going to have to bake a cake or something, and it's going to have to be gluten-free because that's happening in our family these days. All right. Not too many asides necessary here. Without further ado, enjoy this podcast episode with Jason. Well, hi there, Jason. Well, hello there, Andrea. (laughs) It's nice to be across the mic from you again. And we're going to continue. We've done an episode about hips. We've done an episode about spine. And now we're going to do the front of the body. We're going to talk about essential concepts for understanding the abdominals and the core. And I'm actually bringing up both of those words because I think they're often used interchangeably and there's a lot of confusion around both of those words. So should we start with kind of defining the difference between abdominals and core? Yeah. Okay. So I think this is the first and most important takeaway, um, which is that your abdominals and your core are not synonyms. They are not the same thing. Similarly, if you're doing core work or you're doing ab work, those aren't necessarily the same thing. Now, the abdominals are a really important component of core, but the core is really a much bigger and more complex network of tissues. So what I want us to really understand is the abdominals are a key element of the core but in no way represent the totality of the core. Mm -hmm. And the reason that this is really important is that if I want an entire unit or an entire region or an entire network to be strong and functional, I have to take care of the totality of it. I can't just give a lot of focus to one part of it. Mm -hmm. And so when we are working with our core, which we're going to talk quite a bit in this episode on, when we're working with our core more effectively, we are doing abdominal work but we are also working with all of the other key components. So actually, I introduced this by saying we're going to focus on the front of the body. And that was almost erroneous because that seemed that's almost like I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say that oftentimes when people think about the core, they 
focus a lot on the front, right? Yes. They focus on the abdominals because the, especially like the rectus abdominis with the six pack, because that's what people can see. Yes. Um, but you're going to talk about how the core, when we talk about the full core, we're talking about more of a 360 situation. Totally. And you've already brought me into point number two. Okay. You are, you are really ushering I'm this on along. It today. I love it. Um, <laughs> Just take a step back and think about the human body for a moment. We are three-dimensional, and our trunk is cylindrical, and the core is just the center of that cylinder. But when we're dealing with the center of a three-dimensional object, we can't think about it in two dimensions. We have to think about it in three dimensions. So we are cylindrical, and this means that our core wraps an entire 360 degrees around our body. Mm -hmm. So really when we're dealing with the core, we do, as you already brought up, we tend to have a front body bias because that's what we see more often. That's what other people see more often. And yeah, there's culture there, there's vanity there, but also there's just, you know, we just tend to pay more attention to the things that we see more often. So Let's give everyone the greatest benefit of the doubt and say that some of the overemphasis on the anterior part of the core is at least in part a function that that's just what we are. It's most obvious. It's what we see. It's what we relate to most frequently. And working with the front of our core, our abdominals, is also really important for sure. Yeah. But- if we want the totality of our core to be strong, integrated, and functional, we have to really take care of the full 360-degree uh, picture mm-hmm. uh, of that network. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the purpose, like the function of the core, or do you want to kind of go over the components of it first? and then- Let's talk about the function. Okay. So this isn't officially one of the first five or the five kind of focal points, but this is really key, okay? So the first thing that the core really does is it contains. So your abdominal core, or all the musculature that forms the core, really contains your abdominal organs, right? And because the core is a a containment structure for abdominal organs, there has to be a certain amount of pliability there because our abdominal organs change shape. They get engorged with blood. They get engorged with food. At some phases of some women's life, there's a baby in there, right? So the core region of the body has to be a strong container, but it has to be a highly pliable and adaptable container because what's in it changes shape. The next main thing that the abdominal not the abdominal, that the whole core region does, including the abdominals, but the whole core, it connects. So your core connects three major things, your rib cage or your thorax, your pelvis, and your spine. So the core is really the muscular network that connects the upper half of the body, the spinal component of the body, and the pelvis. Another primary thing that the core does is it facilitates motion, right? 
So the core facilitates the movements of the spine itself. Another primary thing that the core does is it supports the structure above it, right? So the spine is supported. The spine is mostly behind, but also a little bit above core, right? Just kind of depending on what part of the spine we're addressing. But the spine is supporting the rib cage, the shoulder girdle, the head and neck, and the thoracic spine. It's kind of a little bit like, you know, when you sit on a, um, you know, when you sit on like a big Bosu ball, like a big like sure. rubber ball. Yeah. Um, our core is a little bit like that for the spine, the thorax, and the shoulder girdle. It's um, it's um, <clears throat> it's like this pliable ballast-like support that helps facilitate this like upward quality. Hmm. The, the core has, when we're dealing with the organs and so forth, the core has other components, but those are really the main things. The core is a connector. The core is a container. The core is a supporter. Another kind of just simple way to think about it is your core is an integrator between what your upper half is doing and what your lower half is doing. And this is one of the reasons it's actually so important for the core to be strong. Mm-hmm. It's because it's uh, it's it's kind of a muscular bridge mm-hmm. or a muscular network mm-hmm. that helps the upper half and the lower half work together, mm-hmm. especially for people that have a, a lot of mobility in the lumbar spine. But those are, those are the big, mm-hmm. um, those are really the big, jobs or primary functions of the whole core, including the abdominals. That's pretty fascinating when you think about it. It makes me think of like, I feel like it was mostly in Iyengar yoga, right? When we talk about the four corners of the body, the two shoulders and the two hips, and then you've got your core in between. Like it's just, and also just very fascinating to think about it. And we're not going to go into this for this podcast, but from a more of an organ sense point of view, right? Like you've got your whole digestive system there and then you've got the brain on top and then you've got all the networks connecting the brain and the digestion. I don't know. It's just, it's very It's amazing. It's amazing. So those are the functions of it, right? And we've already laid out point one, the abdominals are a really integral part of the core, but not the totality of the core. Number two, our body is cylindrical. Therefore, our core is cylindrical. Therefore, when we're dealing with core, we really want to think about 360 degrees of core, Mm -hmm. not just the front surface. And then now we get into point three. And this, in a way, you've also already brought up when you talked about defining terms. And and this, when I especially when I teach like an intensive on core or teacher trainings on core or workshops on core, I'm always really judicious about defining terms. Because saying the word core is not like saying the distal head of the fifth metatarsal. It's not like saying the left ischial tuberosity. When you say core, it's a little bit like saying hip. Mm -hmm. You're not identifying a specific 100% across the board agreed upon term. Right. There's a little bit of gray area in terms of how we define core, right? And, and one of the ways that I talk about it all the time is like, imagine you live in, you know, whatever city the, the listener is living in, right? Or we lived in San Francisco for a long time. 
And we lived right on, we lived in Bernal Heights, but we lived on the border of Mission. Now, exactly where does Bernal begin and Mission Oh my end, gosh, this right? is the perfect example. Anybody who's, who's from San Francisco and listening to this is like, I know exactly what he's, it is so vague. There's La Lengua. Totally. There's now like all these different sub-neighborhoods. Right. It's impossible to define. And in kind of the nature of the core too, it is so central to our body and it's so networked into everything. Making a distinction between being absolutist about what the core contains and what the core does not contain is it's actually a little bit tricky. So I like to define like, my working definition of the core is actually twofold, okay? The most sciencey one is your core muscles are the muscles that affect intra-abdominal pressure. They're the muscles that upon engagement or relaxation change the pressure of the intra-abdominal cavity. That, that is the most, that is kind of the most clinical way to think about things. But as a yoga teacher and practitioner, I don't think it's the most helpful way to think about things mm -hmm. because I very rarely think in my yoga practice about intra-abdominal pressure, mm -hmm. right? And so the way that I like to lay this out, and this is point three, is your core is really comprised in, in my working definition of five primary components. We begin with number one, the floor of your core, which is your pelvic floor, okay? So- the regionally bottom of the core is the pelvic floor, okay? And all the musculature that is comprised there, that's the floor of the core. Then the second thing is really the roof of the core or the very top of the core, which is your diaphragm. The third thing is really what I call the core of your core, which is your iliopsoas, okay? And then let's pause here for a moment. So now what we have is we really have a regional approach where we have the pelvic floor on the bottom, we have the diaphragm on the top, and we have the iliopsoas is at the absolute dead center, okay? So your, especially the psoas part of the iliopsoas is as core of a muscle as you could possibly get. If you took a cross section of the body and looked down into it muscularly, there's nothing closer to the center than the psoas. And then if you were looking at the body from top to bottom, like looking straight on from head to toes, there's nothing more central than psoas. So psoas is an absolutely core muscle, core of core, two more. The fourth component of the core is really the what I call the abdominal circumference. Okay. And I do that to sound a little fancy, but mostly to remind people that your abdominals are a circumference. So your abdominals actually, they wrap at least some of the abdominals wrap all the way around and tie into the back body. They, the abdominal they, muscles. The abdominal muscles. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the, some of the oblique tissues and the transverse abdominus, they're not just on the front. They're also on the sides and they tie into the back, okay? So the way that we can really think about the abdominals is the abdominals along with the fifth component, the spinal muscles, 
These are the walls of the core, okay? So I'm gonna say these things one more time and I want listeners to just envision a room, right? Because this is just a really good way to understand and, and remember these parts. So rooms have a floor. So the floor of the core is the pelvic floor. Rooms typically have a ceiling or a roof. So that's the diaphragm. The abdominal circumference and the spinal muscles form the walls of the core. They wrap around the 360-degree totality of your center. And then it's like you have two columns. You know, like a lot of rooms will have like two posts in it or a post. So imagine you have like this room and it has two posts in the very center. Those are your, those are your psoas. Right. Right. So this is a, I think this is a really practical way to think about core. And one more quick thing before we get to the fourth point, the reason that I think understanding points one, two, and three so far is actually so important, right? Is because it, as a yoga teacher and student, is going to influence our sequencing decisions, right? It's going to influence our sequencing decisions because If I know, and if I'm honest with myself, if I'm not just playing to like my vanities and my whims, but if I know that I want a strong, integrated, and functional core, then I'm in a sequence where I'm helping people strengthen the front side and the sides and the backside and include rotational actions that strengthen all sides simultaneously. Mm -hmm. If I don't know those things, or if I just have like, you know, my insecurities and vanities ruling, or if I'm playing to kind of a lower common denominator, then I'm going to think to myself, oh, this core class, we're just going to crank on the abdominals. And you can do that. Like if it's an abs class, then just do abs. But if it's a core class, don't just do abs. Look at the totality of that region because the strongest things are the things that work together well. So if you're only like hitting the front side of a three-dimensional structure, Mm -hmm. you're only toning that front side, it just genuinely is going to fall pretty short in its ability to work properly. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering if, since we do spend a lot of time seeing the front of the abdominals, and therefore we often work on strengthening that area does the back side of the do the back side of the abdominals to tend to get short shrift well the 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 vast majority of the abdominals are on the front side mm-hmm. for sure but i think what gets short shrift so this takes us into point number 4 is point number 4 is the back side of our core is probably the weakest part of our core and the psoas is probably the tightest part of our core so let's let's kind of let me directly a- address your question. I I don't want anyone to come away from this conversation thinking that strengthening the anterior abdominals is not valuable. Like it's really valuable to have strong abdominal muscles for many of the reasons that we talked about earlier. They're they're they are a really important. Think about it like this: your abdominals are a really critical part of your infrastructure, like your mechanical infrastructure. Mm-hmm. They're the center where everything is. And there's so many physical mechanical stressors that are transmitted through a human body. You want the center of it to be strong enough 
to absorb and deflect stress or else you got problems, especially spinal problems, Mm -hmm. okay? All of that being said, I think, you know, we, we talked about spine in a previous podcast and strengthening it. And one of the things that, that I brought up is we have a real cultural unconscious dissonance between how we relate to our abdominals and our spinal muscles. And if you went to my class or anyone's class and it was a hard class and you did a bunch of work and the next day your abdominals were sore, you wouldn't think there was something wrong. Mm -hmm. But if the next day your back muscles were sore, you'd probably think there was something wrong. And so my point on this is we tend to not spend nearly as much time strengthening the backside of our core. We tend to prioritize strengthening the front side. And we tend to have a certain amount of satisfaction from working the front side and a certain amount of fear or trepidation from working the backside. Mm-hmm. And so this, this does tend to create a scenario where where many people have a weak, tight back body. Um, and so prioritizing strengthening spinal muscles is really valuable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the psoas in terms of, I, I feel like when I learned about the psoas in my 200-hour, every person in the 200-hour, like their brains nearly blew to bits. It was just so exciting to learn about it's so the importance nuanced. of the psoas. but. What I was always taught, I'm so curious to, to hear what you think, is that the psoas is often tight and weak. Um, it's probably tight and strong. Okay. Uh, it's probably tight and strong and overworked. Mm-hmm. And here's why. And, and we, talked, we talked much more about the psoas in the hip conversation. So I would love for people to circle back to that and, mm-hmm. and listen to that because I think this is really key. The first thing that most people think of when they think of psoas in terms of its functionality is that it's a hip flexor. But the reality is it does not spend most of its time flexing the hip. So yes, the psoas, along with its bottom portion, the iliacus, and many other muscles, flex the hip. However, the majority of what the psoas does on a day-to-day basis is it provides a certain amount of static stabilization to the spinal muscles. So in a lot of ways, your psoas is, it works much more as a spinal muscle in day-to-day life than it does as a hip flexor in day-to-day life. The psoas tends to be always on, helping to keep the spine upright, in part because so many of the other spinal muscles are weak. So the, the psoas tends to be a little bit overworked when other spinal muscles and other core muscles are underworked, right? Because the spine has to stay upright. And if the spinal muscles, especially the more superficial erector spinae, if those muscles aren't strong and well-toned and active and coordinated, then the psoas is going to be a first responder. Mm-hmm. And so the psoas typically for people is like, uh, is uh, it is a stronger, tighter, probably tired muscle. Like I think it would like a break. It would, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would kind of like a day off. Mm. Many of the other hip flexors are probably weak. 
but the psoas as a spinal muscle is is, is it, it wants a day off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. If you go to a restorative practice, it's probably the best way to give it a day off, by the way. Like old school, a la Judith Lassiter, Bo Forbes, Roger Cole, supported restorative work is might be one of the best ways to give your psoas a nice holiday. Mm-hmm. We tend to give it a holiday by stretching it, which is fine. It's good to stretch it. I teach people to stretch it all the time. But stretching something isn't necessarily the same thing as relaxing that thing. Mm-hmm. And the psoas is highly responsive and maybe overreactive to stress. Mm-hmm. And so deep relaxation and deeply relaxing breath work are really good ways to to help that deep center let it go. Let go a little bit. Yeah. I really like doing, like you mentioned, old school uh, Yangar, we used to do roll a roll a blanket and lay on it as a belly bolster, and it was incredibly painful and intense. But Jill Miller, her gorgeous ball is a great substitute for the blanket. You can do the same thing with her gorgeous ball, and you can alter really easily how much the gorgeous ball is or is not inflated. So you can kind of make it quite a bit softer than the belly bolster with a blanket, and you can lay over that and and also just. So prone, lay over that, and then just place your hands under your head and just rest your head on the floor and really relax that way and breathe. And that palpation of the, those deep visceral muscles is just can be really relaxing for me personally. This gets us into point number five. Okay. Which is, in addition to being strengthened, our core needs to be relaxed. Yes. It needs to be relaxed. And I think this is a place as a culture, we're a little crazy. (laughs) Both, Both in many approaches to yoga, not all approaches to yoga, but in many approaches to yoga and in modern culture and in fitness and in so many exercise or movement modalities, there is a strong prioritization towards increasing tone. And this is not an either or situation. It's a we need both situation. So one of the things that we we just kind of have to take in for a moment is that strength and unconscious tension are not the same thing. Hmm. Unconscious tension is actually very weakening because unconscious tension is fatiguing to our system. It's fatiguing to everything. And there's such a there's such a priority. I, I remember I remember early this is not to isolate any school of yoga. This is just to like give a particular example. I remember for years taking Ashtanga yoga before I, before it was, before it was best for my body to move on and just hearing Mula Bandha, Uddiyana Bandha, Mula Bandha, Uddiyana Bandha all the time, right? And even if you have a subtle and nuanced approach to Mula and Uddiyana Bandha, um, there is a contractive component to those actions. I never once heard the opposite. Okay, now it's time to soften. Now it's time to let Mulan Udiana Banda go. Let those areas soften. Let them occupy space. Let the pelvic floor dilate. Mm-hmm. Let the abdominals soften. And so for me, anytime something is treated as singular, anytime something complex and nuanced 
lacks complexity or nuance, it, it gets to me a little bit. And so for me, I think it's really important for all styles of yoga, including myself, because I mostly teach vinyasa, that if we are emphasizing strength and tone, that we are also providing opportunities to soften, to yield, to release, and to give that permission to say, hey, your midsection, it's going to occupy space, mm. right? And I also, I think about this a lot, right? Like everyone can take this in. There's oftentimes when we're doing core work or we're working with our core in a pose, it's an in and up action, right? We're, we're, we're kind of hugging in through the circumference of our midsection and we're lifting the this midsection, yeah. right? I often think about this word because I because on the inside I am this way all too often, which is uptight, <laughs> like uptight. But I think about that mechanically. The way we work with our core is uptight. Oh yeah, it's uptight. Mm-hmm. And man, even just on a physical level, always being up and tight, it ain't good. No, there's like a whole secondary set of mechanical pathologies Mm -hmm. and organic pathologies that can stem from anything being hypertonic, Mm -hmm. right? Overly, overly and unconsciously engaged, right? So my point on all this again is to treat ourselves and our body and this region with a little bit more of the full scope and full spectrum of what it needs. right? And it needs to be up and tight when it's time to be up and tight, which is usually an active, dynamic things. But then when it's not active and dynamic, soften it and relax it. Mm-hmm. Let it dilate. Let the whole region dilate and drop. I I kind of wonder how much sitting in chairs also messes with the tone of our know. core. Because for me, being a short person who I don't fit into chairs very well, right? Like, Scooting myself all the way back, always my legs are always dangling. And I think for most women, I think chairs are made if you're like five, six and taller. So you're constantly in this battle of where your spine, like your spine is not resting in its optimal curves. So your abdominal is kind of tightening to make up for that or moving or whatever. My point being, when I'm seated on the floor or when I'm seated in a squat, kind of like how I am right now, I'm sitting on a meditation cushion, almost like in a squat, it's much easier to release my whole core than it is when I'm sitting in a chair and than it is when I'm standing. So I don't know, just might be something for people to think about. Yeah. Another reason to squat. <laughs> Another reason to squat. Squatting <laughs> there are is many actually, reasons to squat. There are many reasons and squatting mechanically does down and out. It does the right, opposite right, right, of right. up and tight. Yeah, that's true. That's and, true. And, and actually that is also a bit culturally problematic that we have gotten so far away right. from having those opportunities to be in that more down low core. Yeah, no, it's why quality. it's a good thing to not always sit on your couch or not always sit in your chairs, even just when you're at home, just sitting on your floor, or it's better to have that range in your body of being able to sit in different ways. Get your gorgeous ball lay on the floor and watch Parisian agents. <laughs> oh my gosh. Highly recommend 10 out of 10. Yeah. 
we'll we'll keep watching and be sad when it's over. Yeah. All right. That's our that's our pop culture tip for the week, along with all of these other great educational tips about the core and the abdominals. Thank you, Jason, for You're being welcome. here. 